Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Today's the day. <laughs> That's right. I was remembering about a sermon that I have. Uh, uh, the title is Kill Your Giants or They Will Kill You. You know, referring to those things, those issues that we have, that they will not necessarily kill us, but they will hold you up from doing the things that you're supposed to do. One of those issues have been that, being able to preach in English. Today, I'm killing a giant. I don't know if you're going to understand anything. I don't know if you're going to get, be able to get anything out of this, but I'm killing this giant, okay? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's see. Open your Bibles. I'm, I'm just like, like, like Melissa. Melissa just killed her giant. And man, that girl can talk. Huh? Where's she at? There she is. She's like my wife. You know, they don't think they can preach. They don't think they can, you know, talk before people. But once, once they're there, man, there's no power in this world to... Yeah. Thank you, Melissa. I might need your help. Amen. Open your Bibles. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's always good. Uh, pray for Ryan and them. They are coming... Back tonight, they had some some rough time. I mean, they were supposed to be here, and um, they showed up to the, I don't know the, the whole story, but they showed up to the airport, and for some reason, they were not able to board, and they had to stay there and, and pay an additional an additional 3000 or more. Right, Melissa? Uh, so they could, you know, get in, into another plane, and anyway... Just pray for them. But on top of that, according to Ryan, they, they had a very productive trip. So we want to hear that testimony once they get here. So uh, Judges, the book of Judges, uh, chapter 2. We are going, we're going to be reading from verse 6 through 10. Judges, chapter 2. If you don't understand, just pretend that you're understanding. Say amen. All right? Say amen. All right. Verses 6 through 10. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Let me stop right there. Couple couple years ago, in one of our classes on, on Wednesdays, uh, we were studying the book of Judges. And uh, while we were doing that, talking about chapter 2, I felt confronted with this scripture. Uh, 
in such a way that I, that I spent some time thinking about it. This scripture stayed on my mind and in my heart. And, and, and you know, the following week I was meditating and, and just uh, thinking about it. Uh, after that, I felt guided by the Holy Spirit to talk about this topic. This uh, scripture speaks about two generations. The generation of Joshua and the generation of Moses. Uh, the generation of Joshua served the Lord with all their hearts. Uh, and at the end of the journey, they stood firm in their faith. And they served God throughout their lives. Till the end of the day. They, they end, even though they, they had gone through all kinds of trials and tribulations. They went through times of war. They went through times of struggle, many discouragements. But at the end of the day, they remained faithful to the Lord. Unfortunately, you know, uh, and as a matter of fact, the preacher who preached in the Spanish service talk, talked about it. We all die. We want to, I mean, it has been established for men that we're going to die. Joshua and his contemporaneous died. I gave my wife this to read it and uh, correct and then she goes, contemporaries, that's not a word. I say, yes, it is. <laughs> well, they, they will not understand that. Well, they will. <laughs> Joshua and there and his contemporaneous. Do you understand that or no? The people who lived, I guess you were right. <laughs> the people who lived with him. You know, his buddies, his, uh, his friends, uh, unfortunately, they, you know, they, they all died. And, and, and let me tell you what the Bible says right after they died. And I'm going to continue my, my, uh, my reading. We started, or we read uh, verse 6. And then verse 8 says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the, in the land of his inheritance at Timad Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And then verse 10 says, After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. A generation that did not know God. That's scary. I mean, the past generation served the Lord with all their hearts. You know, all the way. They saw his power. They saw his miracles, his wonders. And, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, they, they all died. And they kept that testimony that they had served the Lord. And then the next generation does not know the Lord, does not know his wonders, the miracles. So my question is, will a generation like this will prevail? Will this present generation survive? 
Could this present generation be like the generation of their parents who served the God and remained faithful to him until the end of their days? Could it be a generation like Joshua's that had the influence to persuade others to serve the Lord every day of their lives? Or will it be a generation without knowledge of God or his works? Will this generation, and I'm talking about this generation, our generation, our kids. Because that's a, tra a tragedy. That mom and dad and grandpa, they all served the Lord with all their hearts. They testified about the wonders of the Lord. They saw his power be manifested among them. And then our kids, our grandkids, they grow up and they don't know who the Lord is. They don't know his power. They don't know that he can perform miracles. They don't know, you know, what he can do. That is a tragedy. That is sad. Will this present generation, generation survive? Will this, gener will this generation turn to the gods of this world and serve them? Will it be a generation that sins before God in such a way that God gives them to his enemies and that they are robbed and mistreated and feel powerless to fight against the enemy of their souls? Because that's what happened with the next generation. They did not know God. They served other gods, the world's gods, and God turned them into their enemies. I, I, I just can't see that. And I will not allow that. Not in my time. Not in my guard. Not while I'm here. Not while I can still pray. Not, not while I can still come to church. I am not going to allow that. That, the, that God turns my kids into the enemy because of their disobedience. Because they don't know Him. Because they have not seen His power. I am not going to allow that. Not, not as long as I'm breathing. I am going to fight for my kids. And because we are like the generation of Joshua. And, and, and man, you, you got to say amen here. We are like the generation of Joshua. We have seen his wonders. We have seen his power. We have, we have been uh, filled with his Holy Spirit. Every time we come to church and we worship him and we praise him, he, he comes to us. And he embraces us and he loves us. And he, I mean, we, we, we have had such an experience. So we are that generation of Joshua. We have everything we need in order to give this coming generation what they need to survive. Are you listening to me? The generation of Joshua is us. Joshua's generation is the prototype of the church. That the Lord is looking for. And we are that church. Which has got to make some adjustments. Which has got to correct some things. That are out of order. In order to make it. Most of us know the story of Joshua. And his generation. They saw how God brought, it, brought their parents. From Egypt. Out of Egypt. And when they left Egypt. They saw how God used Moses. To depart the Red Sea in two. They crossed the desert. They were there for almost 40 years. This is the generation of, of Joshua. They, they were hungry and God sent them bread from heaven. 
They thirsted and God drew water from the rock. At night, they were guided by a column of fire to see the road. And in the day, a cloud covered them from the hot rays of the sun. They saw his wonders. They experienced that. All those experiences, all those events in their lives while they were in the desert contributed to mold their character of the, the character, uh, character of that generation. Now, it, was, it wasn't easy. Joshua's generation, and the fact that it was not easy, that was the factor that gave birth to a generation of survivors, a generation of warriors. You know, when things are not easy, that's what produces warriors, brave people, you know. And they crossed the the Jordan River. And as they entered the promised land, they found that the people there and their city surrounded and protected by a wall of pure stone. Joshua 6 says, when they walked into the promised land, the first city they found was Jericho. And they, they knew that they had to conquer that in order to keep on going. And they were, gonna, they were determined to fight. They were determined to, to, to possess the promised land. This is the generation that God is looking for, determined people to keep on going regardless. You know, even if the night is dark, they keep on going. Even if they're going to trials and tribulations, they just keep on going. They don't stop because they have a promise and they had believed in that promise. It wasn't easy at all. Joshua 6, 1 says Jericho was closed, tightly closed. Because of the children of Israel, nobody would go out and no one would come in. Faced with this situation, God told, told them, go around the city for six days. Take the priest with you. Sing and play your instruments and do not say anything. Do not speak. This is the generation that God is looking for. Praise me. Play your instruments. Serve me. Don't speak. Don't question me. Don't question nobody. You just serve the Lord. This pastor told me one time, hey, if there is somebody in your church that does not believe in your vision, that is not working towards your vision, that guy does not belong in your church. You need to just let him go. If we're going to serve the Lord, we're not going to speak. We're not going to talk. We're going to serve. We're going to sing. We're going to praise. We're not going to question our leaders. We're not going to question our pastors. This is the the, the generation that that God is looking for. You know, well-centered in their mission. The mission that God has given them. He says, don't talk, don't speak. And then on the seventh day, go around the city seven times and then start screaming. And the city wall will fall. See, the people obeyed and went every day to the city. And then they returned to their homes without asking, without speaking much. But in their hearts, a great expectation from God. They saw the city fall and they took it because God has said so. These people knew God. These people developed a relationship with him in such a way that they knew him and obeyed him without hesitation. This is the generation of Joshua. And this is today's generation. But there's another generation rising up. And we need to pay attention to them. 
And that's why, that's why we need to be imitators of Joshua's uh, generation. They served with, uh, him with all their hearts, enriched many for God. Judges 2.7 says that Joshua and his generation served God because they had seen, seen his works. If a generation will survive God or will serve God, it will only be if they see and experience the glorious works of the Lord. And the only way to have these wonderful experiences in God is to look for them, is to desire them. Joshua, since he was a young boy, would never leave Moses' sight. Moses would go to the mount to pray and Joshua was there. Moses would talk to God face to face and Joshua was there. Oh man, that our kids see us talking to God, that our kids see us imitating God, imitating Christ, imitating others that are serving Christ. Joshua never left Moses' side. Everything, everything he saw, he put it in his heart and he kept it there until he grew up and became a great leader, great leader of God. Not only that, but when he came to fight, oh man, we need a generation of fighters, generation of workers, generation that get involved. When he, when he came to fight, Joshua was always ready because he knew that God was going to show up. Isn't that, isn't that great, man? I'm going to go. I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach because I know he's going to show up. Hallelujah. I'm going to do it because I know I'm, the anointing is going to fall upon me. You know, you need to look at those things from that perspective. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can talk. I don't know if I can. I'm a, they don't say it, but what they're saying is, I'm a loser. We need to change that mentality. That, you know, we need to look at things from a different perspective. I have never done it, but I'm going to do it. And man, I can feel it. I can feel it. He's going to show up. Joshua was there just waiting for Moses to tell him, Joshua, let's go fight, man. He was always ready. Uh, Exodus 17, 8 says that when, when the Israelites crossed the desert, it says, then Amalek arose and fought against Israel at Redifin. And Moses said to Joshua, gather some men and go out to fight against them. Tomorrow I will be at the top of the hill praying and the rod of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him. Joshua went to fight, you know. The pastor told him, Joshua, you go do this. And he went to do it, you know. I mean, with a great expectation and, and, and happy to do it. You know, he didn't, one of those guys that he, he didn't want anybody else to do it. He wanted to do it himself because he knew God. See, see, that's what makes the difference. When we don't know God, oh my God, man, do I have to do it? But, but when you know God, and you know that He's going to show up, praise the Lord, you do it with excitement. So he, Joshua went out and fight the enemy. And when he, the thing, he, when he was winning the battle, he was winning, he was beating them up too. How do you say it? <laughs> I mean, he was winning, but suddenly something happened. Something happened and Joshua uh, started facing defeat. He could not understand why he was being defeated. But when he looked up 
to the mount where Moses was supposed to be praying. He saw Moses putting his arms down, tired, and not being able to pray. And we all know the reason Moses did that. He was tired. He was a man of age. But you and I don't have an excuse. We need to keep on praying. Our kids are fighting. Our kids are at school confronting issues on a daily basis. Our kids are going through things that we did not go through. They're fighting out there in the world. And we cannot put our arms down. We cannot, we cannot stop praying. Because once we stop praying, our kids are going to get defeated. Joshua was winning the battles. But suddenly something happened. And he started being defeated. He, he started losing the battle. And he saw that Moses, his mentor, his spiritual father, was tired and he wasn't praying and his arms was, were going down. We cannot stop uh, praying. We cannot put our hands down. Joshua's generation were men who understood and practiced prayer. They practiced worship. They practiced praise. Praise to God. They, they practiced interceding for their leaders and lifting their hands. And not only that, but they also learned to take sin out of the camp when sin was committed. Do you, you know the story of Joshua? You know, Joshua, when they, they went and they defeated the, the people in Jericho. And they kept going and going and going. And then suddenly they were losing the battles. And, 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 and what's going on with... What's going on? And Joshua, Joshua asked the Lord, what's going on, Lord? I mean, we were doing so good. And suddenly now, now we're losing. And the Lord told him, Mijo. I don't know how the Lord talked to you, but he talks to me like that. Mijo. It says in Joshua 7, 11, the reason you are being defeated is because Israel has sinned and they have broken my covenant which I commanded them to keep they have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen they have lied they have put them with their own possessions Joshua immediately immediately once he found out that there was sin among his people among his family among his church he took care of that Immediately, he didn't wait. See, that's the generation that, that that's the, the generation that the Lord is looking for. The generation that cannot tolerate sin. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's within my family. It doesn't matter if it's my son, my daughter. This generation does not tolerate sin. Immediately, immediately takes care of it. That's the generation that the Lord is, is looking for. And, and that's the generation that I'm looking for my kids. You know, I want them to be like that. I want them to be like that. Joshua's generation understood that. Uh, they, knew, they knew that they needed to take care of those things. This generation served God. And in time, these men and women of God passed away and then this new generation rose up 
Joshua 6.10 says, after, the, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew either the Lord or, or what he had done for Israel. A, a new generation rose up who did not know the Lord. What? I mean, now, now the thing is, I was looking at this. The thing is that uh, this generation that rose up, it, it didn't happen like, happen like this. Joshua's generation died. Everybody died. And then, boom, a new one. No, no, no. No. While Joshua and his bodies were still alive, this generation was already there. They were kids. They cohabited. Is that the right word? They lived together. I mean, the, they were already there while Joshua was praying, while Joshua was fighting the battles of the Lord. This generation was already there. They were watching Joshua. They were watching them. Every, everything that Joshua did, his kids saw it. We're like in, in open books and open letters before our kids. They're there. It's not, it's not that another generation, boom, appeared. No, they were already there. They were living together. Both generations, the one that passed and the new one that rose up. They were there together, living in the same time, in the same place, for at least a short period of time. One day I am going to die, but the generation that will follow me is already, is already in existence. My kids are here. My kids live with me. They eat with me. They see me every day. And I imagine that this was also the case in the times of Joshua and, and his generation. Then the question can be asked. If they live together... And then the generation of, of their children saw the example of their parents, their service to God, and how they fought for the conquest of the land. And also, they learned how to get ahead fighting for a better quality of life and, and how they kept the commandments of God. What happened to that generation? What happened to those children? What happened to those kids? What's going on that now they don't know the Lord Why is it that they don't know God? If all they saw was the service of their parents to God as children, they were in the church. They were part of the Sunday school. They grew up with spiritual songs and the culture they, they were raised with was one centered in Christ. I mean, it's all they, they saw, you know? I found a few things, man, that interesting. And they're just, we can say normal things, little things. The generation of Joshua, in the midst of all of his devotion to God, they failed in one or more things. They were so busy. They were so busy in their struggle to conquer the, the land. So busy in their own relationship with God that they forgot To instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. 
See, God, God has said to the parents through Moses, Put my words in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign in your hand. And you shall teach them, your children, to your children, speaking of when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when, when, when you get up, and write them on the post and doors of your house. See, they failed in teaching and instru- in instructing and mentoring them with diligence in the ways of the Lord. They, they were too busy working, going to church, trying to be better believers. But, but they forgot the instruction of the children. Believing that just because they saw them doing those things for the Lord, their children were also going to do them. Yes, it is important to do what we do for the Lord before our children. But that is just not enough. That is just not enough. Let's go to church. And just make sure. Make sure that they get in the word. Make sure they're listening. Make sure they're worshiping. Make sure, that, I mean, make sure. Don't let them come with their phones to church. You, you need to make sure they are in the word. They are in service. They are enjoying the Lord's presence. You know, it's just, it's just not enough. And these are little things that we, we just, you know, take for granted. It's not enough. The other problem is that this generation, our kids, while growing up, they never reached anything but themselves. See, another thing is that we do everything for our kids. That's a good thing. There's just no way. You know, Brother Lorenzo Gallegos, he used to tell me, there is no way, Juan, that you're not going to do the things you do for your grandkids. Man, There's just no way. You just got to do it. You know, and, 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 and we got to that point. We do everything for them. Every time I tell my wife, just déjalos, mija, déjalos que aprendan. Let them learn. Let them go through it so they can appreciate it. You know, but, but, but we do, and I'm, I'm guilty too, you know. We do everything for them. Oh, let me do this for her. Let me do this for him. And just... Let them do it for themselves. Let them learn. Let them be, become men and women of God. You know? But that's one of the things that we do almost everything for them. And that's just not right. And, and they, they, they never got involved. They never became interested in the things of the Lord. There was no initiative. We didn't teach them that. Because we did everything for them. Let me pray for you, Michael. Oh, don't worry about it. You just stay home. I'll go to church. Huh? The parents tolerated them. They prayed for them instead of teaching them how to pray. They did not teach them to fight their own battles. They did not teach them to suffer for the Lord. And never told them how to live and how to fight in the kingdom of God. We need to tell them, hey guys, you are going to go through hell. You know, life is not easy. Life is not easy. And, and, and this is a good thing to teach them. Oh, mijo, don't tell them that because you're going to create something in there. No, no, no. Life is not easy. Life is rough. There are trials and tribu- tribulations. The Lord told them like this. 
in the world, you will have tribulation. You will, you know. But, but don't worry about it because I have conquered the world. That's our hope, you know. Teach them that. Hey, you're going to go through hell. You're going to go through the desert. You're going to get beat up. You're going to confront giants. But don't worry about it. Christ, Christ has conquered the world. And he is your savior. And he is with you. So just go through it. Huh? Go through it. Joshua's generation provided this generation, their kids with economic stability and a very nice spiritual environment that, for their children. The parents fought and conquered but never taught them or their children to fight for themselves. The generation of Joshua won battles, conquered lands and expanded greatly. And never stopped serving God. But they lost. Somehow. And they didn't even notice that. They lost their kids. And not only did they not serve God. But they served the gods of the world. That's what he says. They don't only. I mean. It's a tragedy not to serve God. Not to know our God. But to serve the gods of this world. That is a greater tra tragedy. To the gods of, of fornication. To the gods of lesbianism. Homosexuality. To the god of drugs. To the god of pornography. Uh, the god of lies, urges, and everything else. You read chapter 2 of Judges and you will see that. They, they, they just gave themselves to all of that. That is bad. That is, I cannot... I cannot, and I don't want to imagine my kids doing something like that. Mm -mm. No. So what do we need to do? And I'm finishing with this. What, what is it that this generation needs? They need to experience for themselves the power of God, the presence of God. They need to have experiences. If we are going to, if we're going to do everything we can in order to provide a better life for them, let's do that. Let's provide for them uh, an environment, you know, uh, a proper environment where they can get into the Lord's presence and see his power. You, you, you arrange an environment, a place, a moment, a time, so they can get into it and experience the Lord for him, themselves. One of the problems that this generation has, and I consider that this is one of the most dangerous, is that they, they haven't had real experiences with God. Experiences that leave a mark. I mean, that... The, Nothing you can do about to take him out of yourself. Experiences that leave a mark. Like the Apostle Paul when he was preaching and, and he was taken prisoner. And, 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 and he was on this boat and they, they, they had a wreck. And, and then suddenly they were in this island and he was picking up some sticks to create a fire. He was beaten. By a snake. Everybody thought. He's going to die. It's, the Bible says. They were all waiting for him to fall. But he knew. The Lord. 
he knew the Lord and he survived when he, when he was in jail he was still writing letters to the church and I can imagine him every time he was writing he would look at those marks where he was beaten by the snake while he was doing the Lord's will so our kids need those marks experiences that, that leave marks in themselves in their hearts that cannot get out of them that every time that they feel like quitting like they feel like just uh, stop serving God they, they see those marks and and come back and desire to keep on serving the Lord experiences they need experiences oh the Lord talked to me the Lord gave me a word I was, I've heard some kids say that the Lord gave me a word you need an, a different experience you need the fulfillment of that word spoken to you don't come and tell me the Lord gave me a word uh, a lot of you know, time ago. No, 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 no. Come and tell me. Let me tell you, Pastor, about a fulfillment, about a word that was given to me a long time ago. Let me talk to you. The Apostle Paul was before the king. And the king tells him, okay, Paul, you are allowed to speak now. Paul couldn't wait. Acts 26, 13. King, I was going... To persecute the church, I was going to kill the brothers and sisters. But at noon, O king, going down the road, I saw a light that was brighter than the sunlight. This light surrounded me and those who were with me. And then, all of us, having fallen to the ground, I heard the voice that spoke to me and said in the Hebrew language, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to fight against my will. And then I said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Our kids need to have an experience like this. Oh my God, so bad this generation need to have this kind of experience and have a testimony of God's power in such a way that they can testify of His greatness. John 12, 10 says that the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus because he was winning too many souls for Christ. I said, well, people would ask themselves, well, what happened to Lazarus? He was dead not too long ago. Now he's winning souls for Christ. And, and they wanted to kill him. They even said, just forget about Christ for right now. Let's kill Lazarus. Because he's, he's just reaching out for you know, too many souls for Christ. And I can imagine that many, was, many were asking this question. Why is, why is it that he's preaching and teaching with such a devotion? With such a passion? Because he was dead and he heard the voice of the Lord. He was dead. No, I mean, lost cause. He was there with some other ones that have died as well. And then suddenly he heard the voice of Christ, Lazarus. 
Lazarus, Lazarus, come forward. Our kids need experiences like that. You know, to hear the, 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 the voice of the Lord loud, that, that calling them, telling them, just come forward that I will make you a fisher of souls. Let me tell you, I listen and I'm closing. Yeah, this is the second time I say that. I listen to, I heard this testimony of this pastor. And it goes with what I'm saying. That our kids need to have experiences with the Lord. Experiences that will in a given moment show up and, and stop them from stopping serving the Lord. Real things, real experiences, marks in, in their hearts, marks in their spirit, like, like the marks that Paul used. And he used to say, hey, from here on, nobody bother me because I got in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. You know, they need to have these experiences in order to say that. I listened to the testimony of this pastor. He decided one day. You know, you know that pastors, we all go through rough time. It's not, it's not easy being a pastor. You know, perhaps for me, it has been easy. For the most of the pastors, you know, it, it's not easy. And then, you know, many times they just, I mean, there's a statistic that says that 50% of the pastors, they just threw the la toalla, the towel. You know, they just can't take it anymore. So this guy just decided to, to, to take off the mantle of re, re, religion, of Christianity, the mantle of Christ. He came up with something like, this is it, man. I, I think that this religion thing is, is a man, it's a man thing. I mean, we go through everything. We go through hell. Nothing ever happens. We preach. Nobody gets saved. And still we go through everything with our families. And, and you know, I'm just going to take it off and live like anybody else. Be just a, another ordinary guy. Not going to church. Not believing in God. This is uh, something that men did and has become a burden for me. And he took off his... Christianity took it off just like that. Ah, I'm not, not a Christian anymore. Boom. And that's what he did. Now, this is a real story. I don't know how I don't know how he's he's doing right now. But this is what he did. But let me tell you something. Me as a pastor, me as a parent. I had my moments too. I had my moments when I, you know, I decided I just, I just wanted to take it off too and just live like anybody else and go to work and make money and, you know. Why carry this? It is way too heavy, Marie. It's way too heavy. Especially when you, when you try and when you're honest, when you're, you know, when you love the Lord. I, I went through that. I've seen myself doubting about serving God. Yes, yes. 
Not one time. Many times. Especially when, when I'm going through something critical. Especially when I do not hear the voice of God. And, and I don't even feel His presence. There are times when nothing. Nothing. And pray and pray and fast and hope. And nothing. When people do not respond to, to, to ministry. Or when one of my kids come to me to tell me. That, he, that she has a preference to the same sex person. That, that kills anybody. I have doubted my calling. There has been times when I just wanted to, to take my mantle off and just throw it away. I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. When I give everything and I can do And I cannot see any results. When I go through difficult trials and, and tribulation. And as if God had left. And also. I've been wanting to just take it off. But I find some things. In my life. Very hard. To take off. I find some things that I cannot take away from me. Like that day. When I still did not know the Lord as my Savior. And I was in this service, evangelistic service. And, and I, didn't, I didn't understand much about God, about the gospel, about Christianity. But there was... In this service and when the preacher made a, an altar call, I was sick. I was dying. My words were this, Lord, if it is true that you are a powerful God and that, that you must judge the living and the dead, as, as the preacher said, Lord, put your hand on me. I was in a building in downtown Houston. And I made that prayer. Lord, if this is true, put your hand on me. And I felt his hand on my head. Cannot take that off. Can't take it off. It really happened. He left a mark in my life. God put his hand on me. And I still feel the heat of that experience. When the doctor told me I had chronic bronchitis. And that there was not much to do for me. And that, that same doctor weeks after. Having given my life to the Lord. He told me that everything was just fine. It was normal. I cannot take those things from me. I have been in the middle of a spiritual conflict. Where the devil himself is trying to destroy lives. I have seen that with my own eyes. And the Lord has given me victory. I cannot take off. I cannot remove that from me. It's way within my heart. He has left the mark. The prophet Jeremiah said. Uh, 
said a day after having suffered difficulties, rejection from his family, from his friends, and having gone preaching everywhere and denouncing the sin of the people, he said, speaking of God, God, I will not remember you anymore. I don't want to speak about you anymore. This is way too hard. This is, this is way too difficult. But then he says, but man, there was something in my heart. There was a flame. There was this heat in my heart. I tried. It was burning my bones. I tried to resist it and I could not. This generation needs these experiences in God. In such a way that when they pass through the waters of doubt, of doubting, of despair, in a trial, there is like a fire in their hearts that makes them reaffirm themselves. If you are going to do something about or for your kids, provide moments, place, quality time so they can have their own experiences with God. It is not what you told them what is going to make them stay in the Lord's ways. It is their own experiences that when they the world calls them and they feel tempted they can see those marks they can feel that fire that burns their hearts and bones and they just don't go out to the world I want you to stand up with me thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.